Welcome to MBSing. That was me trying to learn how to play my new ukulele that my lovely roommate Stephanie bought me for my birthday. Um, I'm sorry it's terrible, but I thought it would be appropriate um, to play that at the top of this show because this is the first show that we've done about music. Well, specifically about music. We touched on music in the uh, 80s episode with Whitney Golden. Um, but yeah, so I've been trying to, the past week or so, every night that I get home and I have some time, sit down and learn chords, and I'm okay at chords, but I'm terrible at strumming, like, that sounds fine, but I only can go, like, down at this point, I'm not very good at up and down, anyway, uh, I've never really played anything with strings, I haven't really played an instrument in a while, period. So it's been a fun adventure time. Um, I chose that song because it's really easy to play. And it's fun. So why not? Uh, yeah, I've had a pretty fun week. Um, Stephanie, my aforementioned roommate and best friend's parents were in town this past weekend. So we, I hung out with them a lot. We went to Milwaukee. or We saw a Cubs game last week, last Friday. We went to Milwaukee on Tuesday nights and saw a Brewers-Cubs game, so it's been a fun little uh, time since I've talked to you last. Um, Also, the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup this week, so today I went to the quote-unquote parade, which is really just the players on top on the top level of double-decker buses, um, holding the Stanley Cup while throngs of, um, kind of drunken people, uh, yell at them and, and wave. I, I mean, it was cool. I was glad I went. I don't mean to totally shit on it, um, cause it's a cool thing that I, I know they do in most cities. Um, for things like that. Um, and I had never gotten the opportunity to do something like that, so I went, uh, because I love sports and, and that camaraderie and everything, but, like, the dummies can just ruin it for everybody. It's not, the enthusiasm comes from the right place, but it's just alcohol-fueled at 11 o'clock in the morning, and it's just ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I went, but once I had seen the buses go by and hung out for a little while... There was, like, rally in Grant Park, and I just didn't think I could handle that. So I came home and ate a burrito on the way. So that's been my day so far, guys. I don't know about you, but sounds like, to me, I'm crushing it. 
Um, <laughs> speaking of crushing it, uh, this episode was so fun. Uh, this, uh, my guest this week, um, is Nick Johnson or Nick Bricknet Belsluce, as his Facebook alter ego would lead you to believe his name is. Um, I've been, f- I've known him, I know him better than I know any of the people who have previously been on the podcast, which isn't to say, I think it just leads to a slightly different conversation because there are a couple times where I just get into things that I already knew about him prior to the podcast, um, which I think is a fun, leads to a fun dynamic and a fun depth, um, that I didn't necessarily get to do with some of the other guests because I just don't know them as well. Not that I didn't know them. Um, anyway, ramble, ramble. Uh, there was one other thing I was going to say. Oh, Nick and I are on Raygun Reagan together, my one group mind team. Um, we both absolutely love it, uh, and have, you know, that whole team is just really close to one another. Um, and he also played drums, uh, or plays drums with, um, a sketch group that I'm involved in called the Xanadudes, uh, which is kind of a preview for the next episode because I interview one of the guys who writes and uh, performs with that group. Uh, so stay tuned for next week, but I wanted to throw in that Nick is involved in that as well because Nick loves playing the drums and playing pretty much every instrument as we touch on in the episode. Um, we recorded this at this place, at his place, excuse me, so there's some kind of uh, odd ambient noises at times, just neighborhood noises like banging and jets and things like that. So sorry about that. I don't think it makes it any, it, I don't think it ever makes it difficult to hear. Um, and Nick also plays a lot of, uh, no FX songs because that's what he talks about during the episode. Um, cause that's his favorite band and he's really passionate about them. So why not let him do that? Uh, Speaking of which, the way that I'll uh, segue into his bit, I bring up in the episode that I'm a big Jason Raz fan, or at least I used to be. I would, I still enjoy his music. I'm not necessarily as rampant a fan as I used to be. Um, there's another really easy song of his to play on the ukulele. Well, you done done me and you bet I felt it. I tried to beat you, but you so hot. song um my guest today uh is nick johnson um nick and i are on the best improv team in the world raygun reagan together (laughs) uh we've known each other since slightly before i made that team well we met slightly before i made that team in a bathroom far far away in a bathroom of piper's alley 
in the legendary Chicago. Nick's topic today, the reason that he's stressing out is because he's going to talk to us about the band NoFX. It's <laughs> a lot of air drumming going on, guys. Oh, yeah. It's, you can't see what I'm doing. It's less funny that way. <laughs> it just sounds like there's music playing. That's also good, though. That's not... You're not missing out by... Right. Just hearing the music. Right. What song was that? That was Hobophobic. Hobophobic. Parentheses, scared, scared of bumps. <laughs> um, so... Uh, is before I ask you any questions, is there any like setup? No effects is your favorite band. Yes. Um, you would. You just told me that you could talk about them forever, so I'll have to stop you. Yes. Um, this morning I listened to Punk in Drublick. The best album ever recorded. <laughs> which what? Uh, which album? Like what order was? It? it wasn't their first album. No, not by a long shot. Uh. It was mid nineties. Uh, they so they first became a band. I believe it was eighty one. So if you put that in perspective, they've been around two years longer than Metallica. Wow, um, shit! But they were like sixteen, seventeen. Yeah. So they're a little bit younger. But um, so the Punk and Drublet came out in the mid nineties, and um, they've yet to make an album that's as good. And I think they know it. Oh really? Which is great. Like the. One of the millions of things that I love about them is that they they know what they are, uh-huh. and they, they're okay with it. In fact, they revel in it. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're, for example, uh, I saw them in Buffalo maybe five or six years ago, mm-hmm. and they have a song that's 18 and a half minutes long called The Decline, right. which is amazing. Uh, which I also listened to this morning. It's a very, very great song. Um and when they were in Buffalo, they said, we like, to, um, we like to play this song just once in every city so that we never have to play it there again. Um, so we're willing to do it because we haven't played it in Buffalo yet. Oh, gosh. Or we'll play seven or eight songs in a row from Punk and Drublick. You get to choose. Oh, my God. And at God. this point, they, they had already played like three or four songs from Punk and Drublick anyway. Uh-huh. So... Uh, everybody's just like decline. decline! That's awesome. Uh, so we, and I, they knew. Like, of course, they knew. They knew that's um, why it would choose. But like, they, it's that sort of thing where like they understand they've made two good things, mm-hmm. and then in a humongous catalog of other things. Right. Um, what is the inception of your love for them? Uh, okay, it was. Seventh grade. Um, well, I should actually back up. So the summer after sixth grade. Nope, I should back up. For <laughs> um, so I have family in the Netherlands. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, the they were youngest, in town recently. Or they your were. Aunt and uncle. Yeah, uh, my aunt and uncle were here about a month ago, and then all the cousins were back home in Rochester uh, last week. So I got to see them recently. Oh yeah. But, um, the youngest cousin, who's about a year older than me. Mm-hmm. He, um, because he's a year older than me, started to get into adolescent things Think before a little you earlier. Did. Yeah, and yeah. He's he's largely the reason I got into anything cool. that I got into. Oh yeah, because your brother was a super years. loser. 
Well, <laughs> I don't know if I call him that. Uh, uh, he, my brother's influential on me for sure. Yeah, but not on the more teen angsty things. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. My, it's if you're listening, Pete, you're not a super loser. <laughs> uh, I've never met Pete, so I shouldn't have made such a broad. <laughs> comment like that on this live. No, he's a good dude. I just remember you at some point expressing that like was it yeah, that you like picked up things from that Pete liked and then you like realized that they were like like kind of um like nerdy things. Oh, Star Trek for example. Yeah, big, right. But I that realization hasn't stopped me from liking those liking things. Those right. Things. I just was that was the only thing that I was commenting on. I guess I shouldn't have equated nerdy and loser. Those, they are not. synonymous, and I think both I and my brother would be would be okay with that. Oh, I think synonym. I'm both of those things too. So, um, anywho, <laughs> anywho, uh, cousin. Yeah. So, um, like, my cousin is responsible for me starting to skateboard. What's his name? Eric, and uh, he. One summer after sixth grade, we went to the Netherlands, which we only did a few times. They typically came to the States every year. Mm -hmm. Um, But we went there the summer after sixth grade, and uh, he, at the time, had started getting into punk rock music, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think was somewhat influenced by his older brother, Uh. who technically, my, my first instance of knowing what punk was was from his older brother, my cousin Michael, uh, he introduced me to a band called Millencolin when I was far too young to... Millencolin? Millencolin. M-I-L-L-E-N-C-O-L-I-N. They're a Swedish group. Millencolin. Okay. Sounds like melancholy. It's named after the snowboard trick melancholy. Got it. So, there's that. Um, (laughs) What's a melancholy? I don't know. I'm a snowboard. Um, I played a lot of Tony Hawk Pro Skater in my day. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the only way that I know what names of tricks are. <laughs> it's, it's probably similar to some skateboards. Uh, it's like right? a fakey 540. Nolly 360 <laughs> into a half cab grind on the, uh, on the ledge. And, and then, then you, you like manual over to yeah. another vert. And That's right. And then uh, you do a kickflip out of it. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool trick. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, he introduced you to Millencolin. Yeah, when I was really young, I don't even know how old, but Millencolin had a song called Vulcan Eyebrows. <laughs> uh, I think that's what it's called. Um, or I'm just taking words from the chorus and naming it that. Uh, but at any rate, either way, it has it has to do with Vulcans, which is uh, some which like, as a young kid I thought yeah. was really funny and <laughs> fun. When did you start watching Star Trek? Uh, I can't even. I don't know, five or six years old. I was, gotcha. As soon as I was old enough to comprehend what a television was. Awesome. Because um, my parents were big fans. Yeah. Anywho, going way off topic. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm pretty sure Michael was responsible for Eric starting to listen to punk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that summer, Eric had all of these like VHS tapes of uh, like just punk shows mm-hmm. and a bunch of CDs. And he uh, introduced me to Rancid. Um, they had just released an album called Life Won't Wait, uh, which as soon as I got back home, I bought it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listened to that constantly. It's not even Rancid's best album, but it's my personal favorite because it sure. was like one of my first, first punk albums yeah, yeah, that yeah. wasn't Mill and Cullen or Blink-182. <laughs> um, 
So uh, I was listening to that one day at lunch on my Discman, because that was a thing. Discman. Discman. Um, and this kid, Robbie Fitzgerald. Robbie, Robbie Fitzgerald. He, he was a short little guy, played hockey. He was in my homeroom, seventh grade. And uh, I was listening to that during lunch. And he came up to me and asked what I was listening to. I said, Rancid. He says, oh, I like Rancid. And I remember even how he, he did it. He, like, tapped on the table when he said no effects. He said, oh, I like Rancid. And I like no FX. That's and such a specific inception of the first I time know. you found out about them. I love that. And I, I was like, oh, okay, I'll check them out. And um, so I went home that, that day after school and uh, went on to AOL. Because <laughs> that was a thing. Same time <laughs> as Discman. Sat around while everything was like, Yeah. <laughs> and uh, AOL had this, I don't even remember what they called it. It was this section that was kind of like file sharing, but you could only share uh-huh. um, like things that they permitted. So what I largely used that for was there's this guitar program uh, that I still use to this day called Tabit mm-hmm. uh, that you can write music for guitars with um like so garage would, band like an early garage band but specifically super for guitar early and only in midi oh um and i still use it to write but um so like you could find files that people made for that program cool um and so i just searched no effects and found there was like five or six um like 20 to 30 second clips of of songs off of the album heavy petting zoo um <laughs> Which, That's great. I know. All of their so album titles are so good. Because um, I think Punk and Drublick is like one of the best album titles I've ever it's heard. It's wonderful. <laughs> and they're a punk band. Right, get exactly. It? Do you get it? And they're from the city Drublick. Nope. Nope. That's, nope. Nope. You tried, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> where was I just talking about? Uh, you looked up the middies. Oh, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't get middies. I got... They, they were like... Actual clips. Wave files okay. that were maybe 30 seconds long of, I don't know, f- maybe five songs off of that album. Um, and that was enough. So I bought that album probably within about a week. You heard like two and a half minutes of the album and we're like, I, I, I could g- probably even play what, because it's the same album I was just playing a second ago. Uh, Hobophobic. See. Yeah, Hobophobic was one of them. Uh, Oh, this was, I think, the first one. The first song? Yeah, and it's not even. Yeah, you can probably turn it up a little bit. Yeah, that's good. Freedom Like a Shopping Cart. (laughs) Um, This album, Heavy Petting Zoo, I don't think is very well received. Why? It's a lot less fast. Oh, yeah, this is pretty slow. And heavy and. Relatively. Compared to their other stuff, it just doesn't. It's, it, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like there's as much in it as a lot of their other albums do. But anyway. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a lot slower than most of the stuff on yeah. Funk and Drublick. It was specifically it was the chorus was the clip by that. Let me jump to that. Yeah, so right here. This was the first thing I heard. This is great. I know. Like, I'm going to start listening to this. Good. Which I know makes you really happy. Very. 
so that's the other. I heard that clip, yeah. and then I think within a week I went to Media Play, which <laughs> was my very much favorite store at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, I ended up working there several years later because I awesome. liked it so much. Um, but yeah, I bought that album, and uh, uh, and never looked back. The rest is history. Yeah. Uh, how many? So, uh, Robbie Fitzgerald, if you're listening. Thanks. You're probably not listening. You're, uh, we haven't spoken in ten years. You're a super loser, Robbie. Oh, that's probably not true. <laughs> He's also Just he doesn't even know this. So well, I'd make it a pattern. I don't know that he knows about me liking no effects, but I'm positive he doesn't know that. He's why I like the Pittsburgh Penguins. As really? Well. Yep. And Nick is wearing a Pittsburgh Penguins shirt. I am right at this shirt moment. As we speak. Yep. Well, Robbie was a big influence on you. Apparently. Good job, Robbie. Yeah, way to go, buddy. <laughs> I wonder what you're doing. Uh, do you know? Do you know where he lives? We're Facebook friends. Okay. I think he's still back home in Rochester, but I don't actually know. Uh, I don't really stalk him. You should him. post this and tag him. I'll tag him. <laughs> tag him in it. That'd be that'd be weird. Uh, yeah, well, ten years. That's too long. To like to time. just like <laughs> randomly. It's weird to me to think that I haven't seen the guy in ten mm-hmm. years. That's weirder than just the fact that I could tag him in something. Right. And yeah. I'm talking about. It. Yeah. That's interesting. What is that noise? There's like a jet flying over us right now. Oh, it's um for uh, just for laughs. It's just oh. a jet uh, with a banner on it that says TVS very funny. <laughs> Uh, not, I was their, like, not their best market. I was like, what's going on right this weekend that there would be a jet involved in? <laughs> Just for less. That has to be it. I can't think of anything else. Um, okay. So, how long... Uh, you were a fan of theirs for a long time, actually. For Obviously, is what I meant to say. Uh, how long between uh, when you like first got that album and you saw them live? How many times have you seen them live? Uh... That's a good question. I so I keep track of every concert I've ever seen and every album I've ever gotten. I knew about the album thing. Uh, I didn't know about the uh, concert thing. I do. Nick uh, has a very intensive and obsessive uh, CD collection. I do. It's I. It's <laughs> one of my prouder things. Um, How many No Effects CDs do you have? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm Just not sure, but I, I know from looking earlier, oh. um, I in my iTunes library, there's 373 songs. Um, they release albums very frequently, and it's because their songs aren't terribly complicated. They're right. super easy to write and record. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's the one song on Punk and Drumlick that's called, like, my, my, The Pain in My Heart. My heart. My heart is yearning. My heart is yearning, and there's like five lines of lyrics. It's not a very long song either, but for it's something. You, my heart is yearning <laughs> for you, and how I loved you so. Oh, there you go. And then because of you, my, my dick, dick is burning. Then <laughs> <laughs> I love that they never take themselves so seriously yep. from from tracks like that. But then. A track immediately before or after that could be this like staunch political statement mm-hmm. that's like super um, angry and and like almost desperate to make some sort of change in the world. Um, that that's one of the things that I really liked about just listening to that album is like the variety. 
of not even just topics and like weight, but also style. Yeah. Like, cause that song is obviously very like almost like mariachi inspired. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, let me pull it up. It's, it's pretty goofy and they like to goof around with stuff like that. But there's also the one that's very like, it's like, oi, 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 oi. Like it's almost sounds like, uh, is, the are you referring to the bruise? Like the bruise. The bruise. A yep. song about being Jewish. Yep. <laughs> uh, because they, there are two Jews in the band. Really? They have one album that's called White Trash, Two Hebes and a Bean. <laughs> a bean? A bean. Oh, uh, lady. A beaner. A beaner. A Hispanic fella. Got it. Uh, I was like, I don't know that. No? Mm-mm. You've never seen Carlos Mencia then? No, I have not. <laughs> You're Good right. You. <laughs> You're right. I've never seen Carlos Mencia. <laughs> he, says, he says Beaner constantly. Well, I wouldn't know. This is my heart is yearning, and I'm still looking up when I first saw them. I know, I know what it was that I saw them at. It was my first Warp tour. Oh, that um, doesn't surprise me at all. There we go. 2002 Warp tour in LaSalle Park in Buffalo. So how many? So you were like freaking out when you got to see them, no? It was awesome. Yeah. That was that was really great. My brother's drummer uh, took me. And he I so two thousand two I must have been if it was the summer of two thousand two I was fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um So you'd been a fan of theirs for like three or four years? Uh yeah, that's probably right. So whatever whenever it's Seventh grade happened. Mm-hmm. Um, like twelve. Pop that up. Um, yeah, it must have been twelve-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a few years, uh, and then my brother had a band at the time, and his his drummer took me. Called the the band that uh, Smock S M O C K. S M O C K. Okay. Like an art smock. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Yeah, that was amazing. And then I I went to Warp Tour every single year following that uh, with my friend Brian. Um, up until a few years ago, we stopped going wow. because the Warp Tour had gotten every single year it had gotten farther and farther away from. Well, it's more pop. It's a lot more pop. Yeah, now, and it's it's really a bummer. But now. Riot Fest in Chicago. I was just about to is what Warp Tour used to be. Yeah, uh, I was about to bring up Riot Fest. Are you going? Yes. Okay. Yes. I haven't bought the tickets. Is that yet, like a no brainer? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you went last. I did know you went last year. No Effects was there last year. Guar was there last year. In fact, I could pull up my list here. I could <laughs> How uh, many times have you seen No Effects? I can also answer that. Let's see, five. Okay, that's awesome. That's about. I've seen my. I've seen Glenn Hansford four times, and he's my favorite musician. But all of those are in the last, like, three years. No four, effects. Three, four years. I haven't... They're not the band I've seen the most, though. Flogging Molly, I've seen the most. Oh. Um, the guitarist of Flogging Molly is from Rochester. And I didn't I, in realize fact, that. In fact, I rode the school bus with his cousin or something like that. <laughs> okay. Um, Two degrees, or however uh, many degrees that I've is. seen Flogging Molly seven times. Gotcha. I've seen Jason Mraz, like, three times. Big Jason Mraz fan. Right. It used to be, anyway. I'm I don't not, think I knew that. I'm not as much anymore. Oh, I I know like all the words to all of his for all the songs on his first three albums. After his newest album, 
Uh, he has some really good songs. I, I don't dislike the okay. guy. Well, I just because I like punk he, music doesn't mean I don't like other. I know music. you have a really wide variety variety of music taste. You don't have enough taste in country, especially classic country. Uh, if I'm going to listen to any country, it's classic. Country. Oh well, sure. Uh, because modern country is just pop music with a drawl. Right, and, and it's not I even think good pop music that's like one of the reasons that I don't listen to Jason Mraz as much is his like newest album just felt very poppy and very like, not like, not in a um, like call me maybe type way, but in a like a guy with a guitar kind of way. Sure, a college kid with a backwards hat. Right, but his third album called We Sing, We Dance, We Steal Things is still one of my favorite albums. It's so good. That's, I think, some. so anybody who knows me, I think, believes I just hate pop music across the board. Which is is not true. Maybe you don't, but people do. Um, And there's there's nothing inherently wrong with pop music. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just that it commonly lacks any sort of, I, I don't know, personal value difference, like it, yeah. it's it's not even that it's not there's no difference it's just it very frequently lacks either our like some sort of artistic brilliance mm-hmm. or just some sort of personal drive it mm-hmm. feel like it feels like it's being manufactured sure rather than artistically written totally because can, in many cases it is it is right <laughs> so it's it, it just doesn't feel like it has any heart to it i don't think there's anything wrong with that there's a song uh talking more about Jason Mraz. Uh, there's a song on We Sing, We Dance, We Still Things called Love for a Child. It's all about um, a divorce. Hmm. And it's really sad if you listen. It doesn't sound super sad. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty slow song, but if you listen to the words, it's like really so- sad. NoFX has two songs that are incredibly sad to me. Really? They uh, so it, 99.9% of their songs mm-hmm. are either angry and political or super goofball mm-hmm. um, that's awesome they have a very small number of songs that aren't either of those okay um, one of them is called My Orphan Year um, because in 2006 the the singer uh, who goes by Fat Mike I, I've he, been meaning to ask what some of the band members names are so I'm glad you mentioned that uh, it's uh, Fat Mike on bass and vocals, El Jefe on uh, guitar and That's pretty much every instrument. What is he's that? The, the bean. He's the bean. <laughs> um, so he's on he's on guitar and like every other instrument, trombone, mm. trumpet. Uh, a man after I think, your I think own. the only oh very much. <laughs> I think the only one that he doesn't play is accordion, which is played by um, Weird Eric Al Melvin. What Weird Al Yankovic? Not quite uh, Eric Melvin, but they almost have. Similar names, yeah. not at all. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I was going to agree, but I was like, no, no not, even not at all. Um, Eric, yeah, Eric Melvin, Melvin, he uh, he's also guitar and accordion, and then uh, the drummer just goes by Smelly. Oh, okay. Um, and Fat Mike and Eric Melvin are the, the <laughs> two that were there for the entire oh life of the band. Of the band. How? Why does Eric Melvin get to go by his actual name? I don't know. When everyone else has <laughs> dumb names like Smelly. <laughs> I have no idea. There's no answer to that. Just curious. Um, oh, uh, it's about 2006. Yes. So Fat Mike, uh, both of his parents died. 
uh, in 2006. So he has a song called My Orphan Year, um, where he, it's like his last things that he's saying to his parents. Which, I just got chills at you saying that. Oh, man. <laughs> that song, I first heard it live. Wow. I hadn't even heard it on the Shit. album. Shit. Um, and it was, that was, that was intense. I, it was uh, at a warp Tour. I think it was the last warp Tour I ever went to. It was um, somewhere close to here. Uh, I can't remember. It's like a 30-mile drive south of here. But, gotcha. Um, so, yeah, there, there's that song. And then I sent you two tracks. Uh, oh, I didn't listen to those. I'm sorry. No, I know. No, I, I, but you I can. Time. You can later. I will later. Uh, one of them is, I think it's called... Um, We've got two jealous agains. Mm-hmm. Something to, I can't remember the exact title. Um, and the other one's and like, the other is I've I've got one jealous again. Again, again. again. Um, which that whole the first one is all about how he knew his wife was the one for him when he saw how many albums overlapped in their separate album collections. Oh, cool. Um, but then I've got one jealous again. Again, is about them getting divorced. And how he was really glad that he like uh, two labeled. came first. Yeah, because interesting because they were married and happy, uh, and then later got divorced. On their most recent album has this track about them getting gotcha. divorced, um, which the song in and of itself isn't super sad, mm-hmm. but given the context, like hearing the previous song, right, and how that's a pretty happy positive message in the first song to this second one that's <laughs> that's crushing that it's really it hurts to listen yeah. to because like you know where he was a few years prior when uh-huh. that that's first song crazy was made. that's that's a really cool thing about music and about like art in general because i think it also happens in filmmaking hmm. um when like people's lives affect the art that they're making in a way that you kind of feel close to them yeah and i yeah i think the more uh the like less separation that there is now between um and i'm not talking about like paparazzi and stuff like that but literally separation as far as even following celebrities on twitter Mm. uh comedians who have podcasts and things like that you feel like you are getting to know them and it makes you and like louis for instance louis ck that is such a I think that's like a, the best example of you appreciating this show that he makes that you know he makes like all on his own. He yeah. writes it and produces it and you know it's, it's a lot of stuff life. that's really, really close to home for him and it makes you appreciate it that much more because yeah. he's just being super, super honest. That's, Which I mean is how a stand-up is as well. That's very much true of NoFX. They, they, um, there's really no topic that they don't cover whether it's personal or belief based or else whatever that's really cool um like it's it it's it's felt very much like i've gotten to know at least fat mike if not the rest of them um because i i've listened to him talk to me about his major life events his wedding his divorce the death Death of of his his parents parents, like and his his drug use slash abuse like he talks to like, have any band members, like, tragically died or something like that? You no, said there were only two original the, members. The drummer... Oh, that's mostly just because of people leaving and that sort of thing. 
the drummer was on, I believe, heroin for a long time. Smelly. Yeah, and he, uh, it got apparently so bad um, with him that they told him, you know, it's either us or it. Wow. Like, and and he sobered up. He doesn't drink or anything. Like the rest of them, party hard, <laughs> really too hard for the age that they are. They're all in their mid forties, I think. Um, or early 40s. but uh, they certain 81 when they're in their mid-teens. Yeah, they've got to be like 45-ish or so. Yeah. Off the top of my head. 15. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, but yeah, so he he's the only one who is stone sober all the time. Oof. That would um, be so hard. And there's... I have a DVD uh, of this miniseries they did um, where they toured a lot of cities that no bands ever go to cool. all around the world. Um, and they did some just weird, crazy drugs in various <laughs> cities where they don't know the language. And uh, <laughs> they're just like thrusting drugs at them and they're and like, okay. Smelly walks in the room and Fat Mike is messed up. Oh, God. And Melvin's messed up. And they, and Smelly walks in and he's just, he's having a good time. Yeah. But he's not, he it's doesn't completely different. Partake. Wow, that's crazy. Um, what, uh, you said that three, so probably like three of your favorite songs of theirs are all on mm-hmm. uh, Punk, Punk and Drublik. Why, why those? Uh, let's pull them up. Linoleum. Linoleum. Is the first song on the album. It is. Let me get that playing here. Also, I've been mean, I meant to mention this a while ago, but I'm glad that I remembered to. Uh, your voice slash singing voice sounds a lot like the lead singer. Thank you. I, that's by design. That doesn't uh, surprise me at all. <laughs> I, I spent a lot of years driving my car around. Listening Listening and singing, and, singing and, like, trying to get as close to his voice oh, as I could. Oh, you absolutely sound a lot like him. Thank you. That's that's a tremendous honor more than you'll ever realize <laughs> that's awesome that was I got like three or four tracks in to Punk and Drublick and I was like this just sounds like Nick singing punk songs I, well, I can't even tell you how heavily influenced I was not just in singing but like how I write music and yeah just that yeah that's awesome that's great that that oh it through. shows it definitely shows good but uh, I've, I've also seen you sing quite a bit that's true <laughs> But even like even when I'm doing like me and Mrs. Jones, yeah. I'm still like it's channeling this yep, sort yeah. of tone. Uh, and the so the karaoke bar we always go to. Um, Trader Todd's pour one out. Uh, the, it's the still guy around. Usually, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Gone. I don't know why I have to pour one out. <laughs> don't pour one out, guys. Well, you can pour one out if you want, but you're just wasting it. <laughs> uh, the guy who runs karaoke there, John. He uh, John Brand. He pointed out that. Uh, I only like to do songs where I get to yell. Yeah. And I already knew that to be true. Yeah. And I I like that to be true because this is the way I like to sing. Right. So. Man, Mrs. Jones. <laughs> is that what I sound like? Uh, nope. <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> uh, Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, no problem. Uh, so. Well, you are talking to someone whose favorite karaoke song is Peace of My Heart which is mostly yelling <laughs> it's just I don't know it's fun to yell it's a there's a very what's the word cathartic cathartic's the word 
Just, it's a good release. I I just think that so often, being someone who I've had a naturally loud voice for a really long time, since I was like five and started doing theater, I would always get notes that were like, oh man, great projection, Mary Beth. Like, you, you're nailing it. Because that's one of the worst things about kids doing theater, yeah, is you can't hear them. super quiet. And... Yeah, getting to be loud and it being like socially acceptable is the best. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Not even socially acceptable. People applaud. It. Yeah, right. It's it's, it's more than it's socially uh, celebrated. Yes. <laughs> bands, no effects gets to be socially celebrated for being yelly. Not just being yelly, but and doing, doing drugs and like. Oh yeah. They like they're being celebrated rebels. for for living, kind of. Terrible health-wise yeah. lives, um, among other things. Like that's not all they're celebrating for. But it's. I don't really like condone hard drug usage. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do what you want to do, right? But, uh, but for some reason, when they talk about it, I'm like, yeah, okay, all right. If that's you know, that's what Smelling. that's what their lives are. Then oh, so you started playing these, but why? Why do you feel like they're some of your favorites? So yeah, so. Uh, Unlike most of the songs that I really love about, uh, or by no effects, these songs are not as, the lyrics don't mean as much to me, which is weird that they're my favorite. Yeah. Um, like the, if I'm ever going to show anybody a good demonstration of, of no effects wordplay, which they're great at, mm-hmm. or just really just like hard hitting political or social commentaries. It's not those. It's not these songs. Um, uh, for Linoleum, I think it's just that it's like uh, it's it's similar to like why I like wrestling. I think, mm-hmm. and it's let me go back to playing it here. It's just super um, fiery uppy. No, sure. Uh, oh my gosh, I have so many like, songs like that. It, yeah, it's it's just. And it's not even like a song you can run to because it's too fast. Yeah, to to. true. Uh, but like you can listen to this before a show and just be fucking amped. fired up. Yeah, yeah, just totally ready to Absolutely. go. Absolutely, I get that. Um, and I think the same is true of Dying Degree. Um, Dying Degree actually has a, a lead-in track that's like this big build-up sort of thing, um, and then it just gets into this super hard-hitting, just in-your-face song mm-hmm. um, and yet for, for those two songs it's it's not at all the lyrics which is very rare for me to, to like the song without the lyrics being considered um, but then with Lori Myers Lori Myers was the first of the songs where I realized that no effects also um, through like rather than just being super heavy-handed about their political and social commentary, they also sometimes do songs that tell stories about fictional individuals going through in order to demonstrate some sort of cool comment. That's really um, cool. And I think this was the first one that I uh, realized that was a thing they do. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it's got the singer of the Muffs on it, so it's it's this, it's cool just to hear a second voice coming What's in. What's like, I, I, The singer's name, I'm not sure off the top of my head. But I, she's playing the role of Laurie Myers in cool. the song, um, and that kind of also makes it a little theatrical, mm-hmm. um, because he's 
And I, maybe she's not a fictional character. I don't actually know the if uh, the, the origin of it. this. Song. Um, yeah, but so like the first two thirds of the song, Fat Mike is singing about this girl Lori Myers, and he's using I. Interesting. So like he's playing the role of either <clears throat> his real life self, oh. or this person who knows who Lori knows Myers. Lori Myers. And then here we have the singer of the Muffs. Um, Responding and giving her perspective on things. Um, What's the story? I mean, obviously the song is playing, but I can't. She's like, a hooker. Oh, got it. Basically. So is Lola. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's he's friends with her when they were kids, and then she became a hooker, and she um, she says it's it's my life, and I'm going to do what I want to with it. Uh, I don't see what the problem is. So like you. The way, the way you see them treating like drugs and stuff. I mean, generally the way they've lived their lives. Well, that's overall. It, it could go either way, to be honest. Like it, it could be them saying like, "What an awful life uh, she's living." And it could be them saying like, "No, yeah, it's, it's her man. life to live that it's way." Hers. It like, it's it's vague enough because it's a story rather than just super heavy handed commentary. commentary like they typically do. Um, cool. That it could really go either way, but. Yeah, and, but with all three, the what it really comes down to is that they're some of the most just like hard hitting musically. Mm-hmm. That they're they're just all three of those get me super amped, and most of their songs have the same yeah, tempo and just general musical scheme mm-hmm. that those songs have. But mm-hmm. those ones um, just they hit it right for some reason. Cool. They've tried to recapture that. that same magic so many times, so many albums after that. And they know that they haven't. They're all good. Right. But none of them are just, they just don't feel as driven. Like, it feels like their their career was building up to Punk and Drublick, and then they hit it, and they're like, okay, this is the thing so we have that we have supposed to, been do, supposed to have been doing all this time. Um, and so all, all their albums have... Humongous elements of punk and drublick, um, but they all have, to a certain degree, feel like they're trying to be punk and drublick instead of trying to make a second punk and drublick. Yeah, huh? Interesting. So again, I would tie that to filmmaking. Yeah, like, I think there are a lot of directors who have made a thing and they're like, "Holy shit!" Got to make that thing. This again. is what I was working towards. Now I have to do it again yeah. instead of making another great thing. I think it keeps a lot of artists from maybe tapping into what they should be doing is getting obsessed with I, I would agree for no effects except that I think they don't care as much oh cool and I don't mean that they don't care like uh, uh whatever. whatever no they just they, they just they realize they're a, a punk band mm-hmm. and they're not you know they're not doing any they're not the Beatles and they know they're not the Beatles right um, and they would never want to be said in the same sentences. <laughs> yeah, I think I you don't just know. did. Uh, well, I did. basically in the same thought, at least. Yeah, <laughs> but they uh, they uh, in that same DVD I was talking about. Um, What's it called? Uh, I can't remember. Backstage pass. I think is that. Where is it? No, but yeah, backstage passport. That's that's it's always the wordplay. They're great at wordplay. That's I love that. I love a band that has a good sense of humor. They're excellent at wordplay. Um, 
I have two more things that I want to touch on slash bring up. The first one is, uh, before we kind of wrap up, when we first joined, or when I first joined Raygun, uh, I remember it always coming up at, like, rehearsals or hangouts or whatever, that you and Eric Roth yeah. both loved No FX. That's right. And I remember you guys super bonding over that. Yeah. Because you would just, one of you would start singing a song, and then you both knew every word to the I song. I would regularly ask him for rides, even if I didn't really need one, because I wanted to just <laughs> yell No FX songs with somebody. That's awesome. It's, there's such a, like, it's, it's one of the reasons I like mosh pit so much mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm, this is a whole different thing that would take me hours to discuss we don't but, got hours <laughs> uh, mosh pits are a very they're they're as close to a religious experience as i think i'll ever have sure uh, which is a weird thing to say since it's just a bunch of people running into no, each man. Other. but it's like you your brain turns off there's this kind of group consensus of what's happening mm-hmm. where we accept the chaos for what it is but there's rules to the chaos at the mm-hmm. same time you're all there for the same reason yeah and as long as you're seeing the right bands nobody's there to hurt you right they're there to you're, I mean you're gonna get a little bruised up and that's accepted right. but you're there to share this group experience mm. um, and part of that group experience is yelling the words along right right and so you you very rarely get to actually experience the music the way I feel like it's supposed to be experienced. Yeah. So any opportunity I get to yell the words along with somebody who likes it just as much as I do, is I revel in that. I mean, I think that's easily a, a, a solid reason that people even go to see bands in concert. Like, there's one thing about seeing them live perform it, you know, that goes along with what you said, like experiencing it, it how you think it should be experienced, but there's also community it's like yeah. going to watch a sporting event you know watching it on your True. couch at home is one thing but even just watching it in a bar not even necessarily live yeah, it's it with other people difference. who are experiencing the same thing that you do, you are who are like bought into being there for the reason that you're all there is yeah makes it a totally different way to experience yeah. it and the pit takes it to a different level too it it makes it 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 makes it this almost like a caveman sort of survival yeah. instinct that kicks in yeah where like there's some crazy stuff happening right now uh-huh and i i need to stay wired in until <laughs> this stuff is over that's crazy which could be an hour from now right and so like you it just like it's it is my form of, of meditation as pretentious cool. as that sounds no no i think that's great i think that's an awesome uh realization to have it's it's great uh, I encourage everyone to do it, but a lot of people are scared. I would do it. it if I was with people like you who like had done it before and like had good tips and stuff like that and had my back. I'd have your back. I would also knock you down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because I remember it from so early on in our friendship. Um, and I always like remember thinking that you guys were really close because of certain like just uh, common interests yeah. and his name's Eric and your cousin's name who introduced you to punk's name is oh Eric. man that's there's coincidences it's in the all world. coming back all coming <laughs> back to me now okay uh, the last question is and you kind of talked about this already so uh, my apologies if it becomes a little redundant um, I've asked this question about all the topics but I think this one um, is a is a a great one for it. Um, what kinds of things and ideals do you think that 
being a fan of NoFX and and their um, work and how they uh, play together in the art that they produce, how do you think that those kinds of ideals like feed into your life? There's a few, I guess. Um, uh, one is their political standpoints, mm-hmm. um, which is an obvious one. They're a very, very politically driven band and socially driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so that pretty like liberal stuff. Extremely. Okay. Um, I would assume that, but I just figured I would. Yeah, clarify. They're, they're they are very, very far on the blue side of the spectrum. <laughs> um, so that's one. But then, uh, more importantly and more prominently, um, doing the thing that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they don't make a popular style of music, mm-hmm. but they've made what they've wanted to make, mm-hmm. um, which I think is just an important. Like, whatever it is you're making or doing, I think that's an important. Uh, value and not worrying about what anyone else, yeah. anyone else's feedback or yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, the the musical style in general, right? Uh, was is also humongously influential. I primarily, up until very recently, have only written punk for my whole life. Yeah, that's, that's all I've really. And now. You're writing not a, punk because it's like comedy year. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so a lot of theatrical music now. Um, <laughs> With punk influences. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I'm trying to think of anything I've done for theater has been punk influenced. And I don't think that... Well, if nothing else, the, you know, doing what you want and... Uh, yeah expressing emotion and uh, commentary and things like that. One other big thing too is that they is just the not taking yourself so seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they that I said they they can they can write a very strong political song and then they, there's a there's a song called My Vagina <laughs> in which he describes the vagina he now has after a sex change operation. Okay. <laughs> Put that back to back with any political That's awesome. song. Like they, they, they'll make what they feel like making. That's awesome. They're, they're old enough to be my parents, mm-hmm. and they are writing songs that my parents would blush at. So. <laughs> oh man, they're great. They're wonderful. <laughs> That's awesome. You can tell that you have a passion surrounding them. I like that. They are, they are great. Have you? You've never met any of the members or anything, have you? No. No. What would you... How do you think you would handle it? I don't know. Because to be perfectly honest, I don't know whether or not I'd get along with them. Right. Um, Like, I don't party the way they do. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, you don't take heroin? I don't. You don't don't use heroin? Believe it or not, I don't. Uh, And So, like, I I assume they would be cool to hang out with. Right. Um, but I, don't, I really don't know. I mean, all all I know of them is their their music and the the DVD and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. like, um, I, I 
I've thought about that once or twice. Where, like, would I be a fanboy? Right. Just giggling oh, and gosh. saying how much I love them? Uh-huh. Or would I go to the extreme opposite? Because there's no middle ground. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Would I just be like, hey, you how's it going? can't just, like, casually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't Oof. know. I don't know what I would do. I um, met Glenn Hintzard in Ireland. Uh, in Ireland? Yeah, in wow. Dublin. He was, uh, we were staying on, um... We were staying on Trinity College campus in Dublin while I was there on study abroad. The film The Boy in the Striped Pajamas was premiering in Dublin that night. And we had seen posters for it, like, around campus. And we didn't know why. The premiere wasn't on campus, but some sort of, like, after party was. So we were leaving the, like, front gates of the college. And the first person I saw was uh, the director of the film once that Glenn Hansard is in. Sure, yeah. And I recognized him because I read enough about the movie and like seen his picture and I was like holy I know who that and then I panned like just slightly farther right like the iris opened a little bit more <laughs> and I saw Glenn Hansard and I was like oh fuck oh fuck and I was like <laughs> I was still walking with my group of like uh, friends and everything and in my head I was like that was Glenn Hansard that was Glenn Hansard I can't not say something to him. So I stopped in my tracks, turned around, uh, walked right up to him, and I was like, "Uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I just, I love your movie, and I love your music, and it's just, I just, just yeah, oh, God, it was just fucking word vomit. (laughs) I totally fangirled, and was just like, I love everything. Thank you so much. And he was like, oh, thanks, thanks. Uh, Really nice (laughs) to meet you. Uh, What's your name? I'm Glenn. And I was like, oh, God, I know. I'm Mary Beth. Uh." And he was like, oh, what are you guys doing here? Because, like, obviously he could tell we were Americans. And I was like, oh, we're here. I'm sorry, bro. I'm staying here for a few weeks. Oh, great. That's just great. And um, my friend Ben uh, knew what was going on, like, turned back around, knew what was going on, came back. I had made Ben watch the movie. Like, he he knew. And uh, he had the, like sense of mind to be like, hey, uh, Glenn, do you mind if we take a picture with you? So I have a picture of Glenn Hitson. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I had the exact opposite when I uh, saw CM Punk at a oh. Cubs game. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, we were pretty close. We were like 10th row or something. And mm-hmm. um, the game ended and he's walking up the, the aisle, like up the stairs. Uh-huh. And we hadn't gotten up yet. And I'm like, oh. it was right after he had shaved his head. So I wasn't oh. sure it was him. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, is that CM Punk? I think that's CM Punk. I need to know if that's him. Hey, Punk! And he looks. And uh, I'm like, oh, shoot, I've engaged with him. <laughs> but I didn't what want to be I like, I love your wrestling. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 so he looks, and I'm like, uh, what's up? And he just, like, nods and gives me a, a little wave. And I'm like, okay. That was it. And that was the end. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, with that... I think we need to wrap it up. Sorry, gone past right. I thought this one would be a little longer. We could do a whole another hour. I can't. I told you I could do two hours. I know, but I I have to go. You didn't even get into the nitty gritty. No one's gonna want to listen to more of this. Yes, they are. Uh, The way that I end every episode. Um, Because I said it at the end of the first episode. It's going to be like Inside the Actor's Studio? Kind No, it's not. The the Inside the Actor's Studio part is me asking you how their ideals and stuff Uh, influence. This is just the thing that I say at the end of the episode. Because I said it at the end of the first one. And I was like, oh, that was like unexpected and kind of nice. I'll say it at the end of every episode. I say, um, I love you and I mean that. Oh. No. Flaming red, flaming red, flaming red.